you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. testimony of Jesus is the 
spirit of prophecy. I want you to say that with me tonight. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So tonight I want to talk to you um, about this subject, a behind-the-scenes look at the supernatural. A behind-the-scenes look at the supernatural. So tonight in this Bible study that I am bringing to you tonight, I want you to understand that we are going beyond just the surface. We are going behind the scenes, if we may. This is a word to uh, the church body for us to examine uh, the who, what, when, where, and why, uh, and how of the supernatural of miracles, of prophecy, of all the things that the Lord has done and is doing and will continue to do and what we are going to be experiencing uh, over the next few weeks. You're going to hear a lot of talk about the supernatural. You're going to experience the supernatural. It will be obvious and the reason that I'm bringing this to you tonight is because I, I want everybody to be equipped with knowledge and with understanding. We fear what we don't understand. And so therefore, knowledge is power. And so for us to gain the knowledge and the understanding will help us to be able to step in to what God is wanting to do in this season. I hope this is already beginning to make sense of why I have chosen this topic and felt that this topic is so very important to us during this, particularly during this season. Now, first of all, I want to go on record tonight declaring that I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Let me be very clear. I believe in the gifts and operation of the Spirit. Now, the Bible, and I'm going to be very elementary because I want to tag in with every new believer and I want to be able to make clear understanding for every uh, experienced believer in the room tonight uh, as we look at uh, the supernatural from a behind-the-scenes look, the purpose, the why, the how and what it is really all about. What is God doing when there is a miracle that happens? What is God doing in the church uh, when there is a sign or a wonder or a prophecy that goes forth? Why? Why is this? Why do we need this? Uh, why? What? What is the purpose of all of this? And so for many years, the church has ran from this type of, Experience, and I'm not speaking of this church. You have this has been something that we have experienced for many years, uh, and so I, I'm not speaking necessarily of this church, but I'm speaking of the church world that fears the supernatural, that fears um, miracles happening, that becomes nervous when the gifts of the Spirit begins to operate, and if we're not careful, we very quickly will feel like that we need to immediately go into, well, let me explain this to the unbeliever. And so while the supernatural is happening, instead of us allowing the unbeliever just to experience the moment, we're wanting to grab them and pull them into a back room so we can talk to them and get them out of that environment. And that is, uh, is the wrong time for us to educate them on what the experience is. They need to experience it. They need to be in the environment. They need to sense it. They need to feel it. And they need to witness it because it is to become a testimony for them. Now, the Bible speaks about nine spiritual gifts. And I'm going to lay these out to you. This is to the New Testament church. There are nine spiritual gifts that are mentioned, a word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the discerning of spirits, the gift of tongues, 
and the gift of interpretation of tongues. Those are all listed in the New Testament as spiritual gifts that are for the, the, the church. They are for us. They, are, they, they should be uh, gifts, but now understand these are not carnal gifts. These are spiritual. Everybody say spiritual. These are spiritual gifts. They are, they are uh, only demonstrated in a spiritual environment. They will only be experienced by spiritual individuals. That's why the carnal mind, the Bible said, cannot comprehend the things of the spirit. So we must be so so we we must be uh, equipped to recognize and experience, and particularly to operate in one of these nine spiritual gifts. So um, for one that is living uh, a life that is filled with carnality, it's not likely that they're going to operate in one of the nine spiritual gifts. For one that is uh, not prayed up, one that is not uh, prepared, one that does not have the faith, they often will look at the spiritual gifts operating and may even become frustrated by it, may become uh, agitated by it, may be afraid of it. Um, this is why that we experience these things so much more during uh, this particular awakening season, as we call it, for our local church, because we are in a season of prayer and fasting. And so what happens in the season of prayer and fasting is our faith is increased. We tune out all of the things of the world. This is why that our fasting is more than putting everybody on a strict diet or trying to lose weight. Those may be some side benefits to fasting, whether you are doing all-out fasting, whether you fast with juice, or whether you choose a Daniel's fast or some other form of fasting. Uh, part of the reason that I have been uh, a proponent of a media fast. People say, well, what is it, fast and media, and what that, what is that about? And a lot of folks I know and uh, have been made aware that a lot of folks just ignore that whole call to a media fast. The whole idea is for us to quiet the voices that are around us, for us to silence those voices, to, to, to quiet those voices so that we can be more in attuned uh, more in alignment, more attuned to what God is wanting to speak during this season. And during our time of consecration, I'm going to call it, prayer and fasting, our season of consecration and of prayer, we draw closer to God. Uh, we, we quiet the voices that are, that are around us. We become more in alignment with what God is wanting to do. We become more um, attentive to God's voice. We become more sensitive to what God is speaking, to what God is doing, to what he is doing. And so when we get in a spiritual environment, now if you haven't noticed this yet, you will, particularly if you're fasting. If you're not, I want to challenge you to get on board with us over the next few, few days. We just have uh, a, a few days here that we are going to be fasting. And if you're not part of this, get on board with us. And the reason is, is because when we get in these environments, such as even last night in our house-to-house -house prayer, our book of Acts prayer in homes, um, the Spirit of God began to move so so strong in in the house. And I heard a report from uh, from from Pastor Danny and Sister Cheryl about uh, the the, um, the the prayer meeting that they were in at. Uh, Brother Jeremy Newcomer's home, there was such a strong presence of God, an obvious presence of God that is there. And so instead of us becoming afraid of it or, or being, uh, fine, being, being just casual about it, during the season of prayer and fasting, it's much easier for us just to be able to lock into what God's doing. So we're, we don't have to go through uh, long spaces of time. I noticed tonight in our worship service that there was a great spirit of worship that moved in. And, and people 
those that may, may say, notice that, well, boy, Wednesday night, this was more lively. It was more fluid. It was easier tonight for us to worship. And the reason is, is because the church is praying. And the church is fasting. And so these are very important things. And so the spiritual gifts operate through spiritual people in a spiritual environment. So I believe that these nine spiritual gifts will operate within the confines of the gift of wisdom. So I want to to say that, and I've talked to you about that. Uh, Even just a few months ago, we talked a lot about wisdom and the gift of wisdom. And so all of these spiritual gifts, before we seek any other gift, we should first seek the gift of wisdom. And the gift of wisdom is the glue that holds all of these and causes them to operate decently and in order within the church. Uh, And furthermore, as we talk tonight uh, about the supernatural, first I mentioned the nine spiritual gifts, and then, of course, I want to mention um, the fivefold ministry, because I believe that the fivefold ministry is the gift of God to the church. And I believe that every local assembly should experience and have the blessing of the fivefold ministry. The scripture said, and he gave gifts to men. And then he listed this fivefold ministry. And to some he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Now, now notice this is a fivefold ministry. They are different from the nine spiritual gifts. And so just because one is operating in one of the nine spiritual gifts does not mean that they hold one of the fivefold ministries, yet they may. So I believe that the fivefold ministry, while it is mentioned as gifts unto men, the fivefold ministry uh, speaks more of an office. So I believe it is it is both a gifting and it is also an office. So I hope this helps us understand uh, the fivefold ministry a little better. It is a gift and it operates through the gifting. So there is the gifting that a pastor may have or that a prophet may have or that an evangelist may have. There are certain giftings. And so when an evangelist may, uh, may be in the pulpit and preach, you will you will pick up the gifting of the evangelist and you will see that he is gifted in a specific area, but it is more than a gifting. The fivefold ministry speaks of an office, and so it is the office of the apostle and the office of the prophet and the office of the evangelist and the office of the pastor and the office of a teacher. And so therefore, with an office becomes a respect and becomes an authority because they hold a specific office that is ordained of God, given by God, and it is a gift to the local assembly. And so while uh, some uh, may operate in more than one gift, while at the same time may fulfill more than one office. And so I'm going to I'm going to kind of recap that and I'm trying to move slowly through this for our benefit and for the note takers to be able to have time to, uh, to 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 notate some of the things that I am mentioning here about the fivefold ministry. So um, they are both gifts and offices. Men will operate within giftings, but then there is an office. So one may uh, th- there may be the office. Uh, of the of a prophet or an evangelist, and they will operate within a gift. Some may operate within a gifting without the office. Now, every called preacher of the gospel, I believe this, that the calling of God, every called preacher of the gospel will fulfill at least one office within the fivefold ministry, at least one. Now, some will will fulfill more than one office, and some will have more than one gift. 
and I do believe that it may be possible for some to have a primary office but to operate in other giftings. Does that make sense? And so they have giftings that are in other areas, but they hold a specific office. So as a pastor, a pastor may be apt to teach as an elder in the church. Uh, so a pastor may be, may be also a teacher, but his office may not be the office of a teacher. His office may be the office of a pastor. And a pastor may also be an evangelist. And a pastor may operate in the gift of the prophetic. And so it uh, doesn't mean that he is a prophet. It means that he is operating in the gift of prophecy. And so uh, a prophet, a prophet has giftings that accommodate the prophetic. But the prophet may also take times where he teaches or where he, uh, as a prophet, may actually operate in the gift of an evangelist. And then there is the apostle, and the apostle may hold more than one gift. So I don't want to belabor the point. So there are multiple gifts, and there are uh, multiple offices. So being an apostolic church, we take a look at the apostles' doctrine. We believe and teach the apostles' doctrine as the foundational doctrine for the local assembly. And the early church is our pattern for the ministry of the local church. Are you with me tonight? And so being that we are an apostolic church, meaning we believe and teach the apostles' doctrine as spelled in the word of God, and the early church is our the early apostolic church is our pattern for ministry within the church. Therefore, we believe in the nine spiritual gifts operating in the church just like the early church believed. And so we believe in, in those nine spiritual gifts. So we believe in a gift of faith. We believe in the gift of healing. We believe in the working of miracles. We believe in the gift of prophecy and the discerning of spirits and the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation. We believe in a word of knowledge. So all of these things accommodate being apostolic. And so to be genuinely apostolic, these are just givens as much as we believe in the apostolic new birth experience of water repentance and water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, that's not the only doctrine we believe. That is the core doctrine. That is the base doctrine. But we also believe in the fivefold ministry, and we also believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And so, therefore, besides all of these things, we also believe in the doctrine of holiness. And so within the doctrine of holiness is a whole is a whole other uh, segment of teaching that we can open up and will be opening up to talk about what uh, an apostolic church really looks like, and that is uh, our, our holiness unto the Lord. And so we believe in miracles, and we believe in the supernatural. So this is a Book of Acts church. We, we share the same Pentecostal experience. As the early church, we embrace the same Acts 2.38 message as the early church. And we believe the, the, the same message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, we believe is still relevant today. And we believe that the promise is to you and your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So it's not pick and choose one of these or the other or this one or that one. This is a package deal. And so for many years, is this okay? So for many years, the apostolic church has been okay with the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. But we have been very, very challenging regarding a word of knowledge, a word of faith, the gift of healing, the working of miracles, the gift of prophecy. We've been very skeptical of some of these, but have been very open to 
the gift of tongues and interpretation. And so I can't explain the why. I could, I could give you some reasons why I may believe that that may be the case, not the point of this message tonight, because I believe in the gifts of tongues and interpretation. But I also believe in the gift of prophecy and the work in miracles. All of these things are supernatural giftings. These are supernatural things. And so in order for us to take a behind-the-scenes look at the supernatural, as we're going to do tonight, we have to first understand what we are dealing with and what we are talking about. Now, over the next few weeks, I'm certain that we we will experience and, and see an increase in the operation of spiritual gifts. Just expect it. Am I right? It's expected. We will see an increase. The reason we'll see an increase, I have already spelled out. It is because we are praying and fasting. And so when we pray and fast, the heavens are open. I was speaking to, to um, Elder uh, T.L. Smith, which will be preaching for us our first Sunday of the awakening. And he said to me, now, now listen, we don't know each other. I don't know him um, personally. He comes with very high regard and has quite uh, a deep uh, pedigree in the apostolic faith. And uh, we have mutual friends and, and uh, I have listened online uh, to some of his services. And he said, now look, we'll tell you that um, Bishop uh, Smith is more than just a preacher. He is a modern day prophet. And when he walks into here, he's going to walk in with kindness, with humility, uh, with humbleness. He uh, is an elder. He's 82 years old. He's going to walk in, uh, and uh, he, he may not be jumping over the pulpit or standing on the pulpit when he's preaching. He, he, his delivery is going to be different. Uh, but he has a deep, deep insight into the things of the Spirit. And he, I believe, is a prophet of the Lord and uh, oftentimes may operate in the gift of the prophetic. And in doing so, um, uh, some people may shut him off because they don't understand. Uh, they don't, at, at first, may not believe. And I want us to become very comfortable with this. And this is par a part of why I'm talking to you about these things tonight. But... We need to understand that miracles, signs, wonders, healing, prophecy, and all the other spiritual gifts should operate. When I was talking to Brother Smith, as I began to explain to you before I took a rabbit trail of describing him and introducing him somewhat to you and to this assembly, um, in talking to him, he made a statement to me, and he said, now look, some churches I go to, we, I just preach, we have church, and we go home because they're not open to the, to the supernatural. They're not open to miracles happening. They're not open to that. And I assured him, we're not one of those churches. I assured him that we're a church that's praying and fasting and believing that the heavens are going to be open. And that's what we're believing for. And somebody said, well, Pastor, why? why? Why do we believe that? I'm going to try to answer that question for you tonight. That's why I'm coming to talk, because we're going to have a little insight into this. We're going to have a behind-the-scenes look at the why. Why do we need the five-fold ministry operating? Why do we need the apostle? Why do we need the prophet? Uh, isn't it good enough? We have a pastor, and, and, and we have... You know, we have teaching, and we have, why, why do we need these giftings, and, 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 and why do we need uh, the five-fold ministry operating in the church? And I'm going to try to answer some of that to you. Now, I'm, I, I, I don't want to rush where I'm going tonight, and I could get ahead of myself very quickly, but um, during this season, we're going to see an increase because we're praying and fasting. Now, perhaps that statement may even be feel a little condemning to us, and maybe it should. Because as an apostolic church, it ought to not just be during January and February when we're prayed up. 
You ought to be prayed up in June and July and August and September. We ought to live prayed up and we ought to stay on fire and stay ready so we don't have to call the church to, to a fast before we can have certain people come in to preach. Because that's never been the intent. We need to learn to live there. And there are some positive themes that I'm picking up and seeing during this awakening that I have challenged the church and feel that God has challenged me for this to, to stop being mentioned as a season, but mentioned as moving to a new level, meaning that this is going to become the new ordinary. And in order for this to happen, we're going to have to change some of the things we've been doing for the past 17 years. I'm encouraged after last night's prayer meeting. Both hosts contacted my wife and I today and said we want to continue to have prayer, prayer meetings in our home throughout the year. Both, both. Now I'll share that to you because that is significant. And your hand claps in response to this is significant. This is why. Because in order for the supernatural to work in the church, we have to live at a new level of consecration and faith and openness to the things of God. Everybody okay? That doesn't mean I'm going to call you to fast till your belly button falls off. But I am going to tell you that this means that throughout the year, maybe two or three times throughout this year, we're going to have some segments of prayer and fasting that we're just going to say, we're taking this week for prayer and fasting and consecration, and we're coupling that throughout the year with consistent prayer. We've already added our first Wednesday every month, our first Wednesday prayer, and now we are already have, and we don't have the plan all in place. I don't have all the details. We'll talk more about this when all the plans, something that's workable. Uh, we're not trying to offend anybody or leave anybody out, but we've got to try to make it where it will work and be palatable for the church and work with all the ministries of the church. But in making this workable uh, throughout the year, we're going to have house-to-house -house prayer throughout the year, not just during the awakening, and we're going to continue our first Wednesday prayer throughout the year, not just during the awakening. And so as we increase prayer and we increase consecration, get ready for this church. I'm not talking about any other church. I know we're online tonight, but I'm not here to offend anybody. But this church is going to be an apostolic church that is going to find the operation of the supernatural, not just something we do in January and February, not something that we experience January and February, but that this church is open to it all throughout the year. Miracles were normalized in the New Testament church. And that's what we must do, normalize the miraculous, normalize the supernatural. Now, the only way that it's going to operate is that we normalize it. And the only way it can become normal to us is we need to look at the recipe. What is it that we do during January and February that brings about the supernatural? It is prayer and fasting and consecration unto the Lord. That opens us for the supernatural. Now, there's a lot of other things that happen. You, the church has got to be unified. And there's a lot of other things that we can talk about, but it's not all, I don't have the time to fit all of it into this one study tonight. So there are 37 recorded miracles in the New Testament. I'm not going to mention all of those, but they all have different segments. Notice, they turned, Jesus turned the water into wine. That was his first miracle. He healed the nobleman's son. He cast out demons. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He healed many of the sick of the palsy that were in the city. He cleansed a leper and he cleansed ten lepers. He healed the centurion's servant, healed a paralyzed man, healed a man with a withered hand, raised the widow's son from the dead, calmed a raging sea, cast out demons, put them into a herd of pigs. And he told a woman at a well about her past and about his available gift to her that if she understood who he was, that she would ask of him and he would give to her. So all of these have different segments. Some of the miracles of Christ 
were mass miracles, such as his first miracle, which was turning the water into wine. It was a mass miracle for a whole group of people to be blessed by the miracle that he that he did. Or uh, there was a specific segment, such as the lepers, that he healed ten lepers. All of those were lepers, and he healed all ten of them. And so it was a group of people that were dealing with a specific thing. Or he raised one widow woman, only son. And that, that was identified as an individual miracle. It wasn't, wasn't to be broadcast. It wasn't to be spread about that I'm, I'm raising all of your sons. It was one lady and one need. So they all come different. There was a raging storm that was to, to cause faith, cause, causes one to step out and even walk on water and fail and sink in the middle of the miracle and then be raised back up again. But there's a purpose and a greater purpose to all of these miracles. Some of the miracles were personal, and people were told, go and tell nobody about this. Others were very public and intended for the whole multitude to understand what happened. One lad with a lunch to feed 5,000. Imagine. The wow factor in that. It was a public miracle that was done and everybody there was blessed by the miracle. That's why that every operation of the supernatural will all in different times, different moments, different seasons, and different purposes. Some will be for you. And some will be for a group. And some will be for the church body. That's why they're not all. So we have to be careful not to become critical and say, well, I think it needs to be like this. The miracles of the New Testament were many, and they were many-fold. They were for many purposes, and they touched different segments and different groups of people. I've personally been blessed in my life to witness many miracles in my lifetime and in my ministry. I have personally experienced God bringing the miraculous. Some of them, I never stood in the pulpit and told the church, some of the things, maybe to a fault, but for the sake of not wanting to receive glory from the church. During days of my of, of operating and running a small business and had not been pastoring long, I there was a little pattern. Sister Cheryl walked in my office one day and the church had a need. And I told her, we're not going to receive a special offering for this one. Just write a check out of my business and make a donation to the church. And she wrote the check, put it in. And within about three days, I received a contract with profits that would repay about three times what I wrote the check for. After that happened, time and time again, before long, Sister Cheryl walked in and said, Did you notice that you gave this and God then gave you this? And I said, I did notice. And before long, it started being commonplace for my, for my business and a blessing for my business during that season that I, I had the capacity to give and I would give, but I learned the Scripture taught it. I've watched it in my parents, never experienced for myself quite like I was experiencing it, that you just can't outgive God. And it was a repeat miracle. I would do it and God would give it. I would do it and God would give it all the way up to more frequently, more, uh, more, more recently, that there was a situation that was very similar, that I gave what I did not have and was a blessing to a situation that I really didn't have the capacity to do it, and immediately God opened the storehouse from heaven and returned it and gave it in measure that was pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, I personally... Witness deaf ears opened. What a great testimony. I've seen cancer healed. Experienced it in my own home with my own wife. 
I've seen burn victims grow fresh skin and the pain leave their bodies. Miraculous. I've seen people get up out of wheelchairs. I've seen people leave crutches at an altar before. I've seen broken bones healed. And I could go down the list of all the things, migraines healed, high blood pressure healed, lupus healed, all sorts of different diseases that I have witnessed and seen God do. And we are, we, we some of you maybe knew or didn't know that I had a scheduled surgery on my neck. I called today and I said, I want to postpone my surgery. And she said, uh, okay, let's look at a date. And I said, no, I need to indefinitely postpone it. She said, how about I just take it off the schedule? That's a step of faith. I said, just take it off the schedule. I'll call you if I need you because I am better than I have been in a very long time. I'm claiming that the healing power of God. We're going to experience these things and we're going to experience them more frequently and it's going to be normalized. Get ready, church. Get ready. It is going to be happening and not just in January and not just at the awakening, but it is going to be a continuation that, that, that the supernatural is going to happen. So these are public things. It was in a prayer and fast season just like this that we are in. That Bishop L.A. Parent experienced his church, experienced miracles just like we are experiencing. Bishop Parent was a, a friend of sorts, a, a, an associate of our late Bishop Price. Bishop Parent, in his young years, ran a milk route uh, with a horse-drawn wagon. And one day while delivering milk, he stepped out of the wagon and he slipped on ice and he broke his ankle. It was a severe break and the bone had broken through the skin and caused pretty severe bleeding and someone came to help him and they bandaged and wrapped it up and got the bleeding to stop and he bandaged and wrapped his ankle to where he was able to get get up and, and get back onto the delivery route and, and head home. He was a young pastor of a small church in Pontiac, Michigan and he didn't have money nor time to go to the hospital that night their church was having service and not just service but it was a special service that they were having they happened to be having communion and foot washing that night so bishop parent's wife helped him to clean up and rewrap the ankle and it was in terrible shape she helped him put his suit on and he put one shoe on but the story goes that he carried his second shoe in his pocket, the pocket of his coat. And he carried that shoe to church that night for that foot washing and communion service. He separated the men from the women for that segment of foot washing and they helped him hobble into the room with the men. And he was sitting in a chair and obviously felt that he was unable to participate and so the, the men were praying and, and they said there was a roar in the prayer room as they were praying and the men were washing one another's feet. When one of the men in the room, an elder in the room, noticed the bishop that was sitting there in pain, insisted that he wash the bishop's feet and the, all the men were standing around and Bishop Parent agreed that the man could, could wash his foot, but the elder said, I want to wash both of your feet. And while all the men were standing around, they took the bandage and they started taking the bandage off of Bishop Parent's ankle. 
And when they re- by the time they removed the bandage off of Bishop Parent's ankle, out with both shoes on his feet, and he said, I brought this shoe because the Lord said, if you'll just get there tonight, I'm going to heal. Now, I'm talking about pioneers of Pentecost. I'm talking about pioneers of the apostolic faith and some of the things that God had done. I was talking to a friend of mine today, Brother Luke St. Clair, and he was sharing with me uh, about something that happened in their service. Let me say to this, this to you tonight, foot washing is more than an exercise of humility. But when the church unifies, miracles will happen. It was just a few weeks ago in Anderson, Indiana, when Sister St. Clair Sr. could hardly walk, and she could hardly walk in that night for their foot washing service. She could hardly walk in due to foot pain, and she had seen a podiatrist, and they were trying to figure out what was plaguing her body and what needed to be done to help her feet. Sister St. Clair said that night when she placed her feet in the water, that God instantly healed her and took her feet away and she began to dance and worship God. And Luke said, Mom's still dancing. Three weeks later, but God's God's healed her permanently of, of, of that pain that she was dealing with in her feet. And I'm telling you, these things are going to be predominantly happening among churches that normalize the supernatural. This is why I'm talking to you about it tonight. What I'm talking about tonight causes the angels in heaven. This is what the Bible said about the Holy Ghost, that the angels in heaven desire to work healings. And what's going to be normalized in our church, people receiving the Holy Ghost, miracles, signs, wonders, the supernatural, causes the angels in heaven to look, to desire to look into what we are experiencing. Some of us have been around the apostolic church so long we say, well, I'm not moved but too much. Let's just sit by and let's just watch. Listen, the angels in heaven are sitting by just watching because they can't participate. But we need to be participators. I've got to hurry tonight. I'm taking way too much time. I'm telling you, these things are going to happen and are going to become more normalized in the church. We need the power of the Holy Ghost to transform individuals. The power of God to show up. We need testimonies just like Sister St. Clair's three weeks ago that God did a miracle in her life and she's changed and the whole city needs to hear about it. I've witnessed miracles, signs and wonders. I saw a young woman that was tormented for, for years by demons and by the demonic. I saw her. I was there. I witnessed it when she was set free By the power of the Holy Ghost, God delivered her. She began to speak with other tongues, and all of that demonic uh, oppression left her, and she walked out free in Jesus' name. I witnessed a man who could not hear nor speak completely healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. This was normal in my childhood. This was normal. This is the way I grew up. These were things I saw and experienced for myself. I didn't have to have somebody. I was very young, but remember it. I was there. I was in the service when I saw it happen. I've seen the dead raised back to life. Don't tell me the days of miracles are over. Don't tell me it was just for the early church. Don't tell me it was just for the original apostles. But I'm going to tell you, I've got to get to my point tonight. I'm going to tell you that the greatest miracle I've ever witnessed is when the power of the Holy Ghost changes a life. And God fills them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they begin to speak with other tongues. That is a miracle. A young lady that I grew up around, she was like an older sister to me. She was my older sister's age. Distant relative, distant cousin. She actually lived in our home. And I grew up in and around her. She walked away from the Lord for a long space of time. About a year or two ago, Annette and I were, were we actually going in to visit my dad. I saw her at one of my dad's birthday parties. And I could tell that she was different. There was something that was changing about her. And she said, I've been, I've been going to church. 
And I asked her what church she was going to. She told us the church that she was going to. Gentry is preaching a revival in that church even tonight. He's been preaching this week. Her husband didn't grow up in and around the church, knew nothing about it. Now in his late 60s, great man, wonderful man, good man, hardworking man, gentleman. But goodness must save you. You've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost. He's been seeking for the Holy Ghost for several months now. Gentry felt the Lord give him direction. He called my wife. He called me. Talked to us on the phone for a long time. Seeking God. He said, Dad, I'm just feeling this. I'm feeling this. And we talked about it for a long while. The night before last, on Monday night, after Sunday night, he said, when Mark stopped praying after seeking for the Holy Ghost tonight, he said when he finished praying, he said there was others that were there seeking for the Holy Ghost. And he said, when he finished praying, I could just tell that his faith was gone. And the faith of the congregation just left the room because he didn't receive the Holy Ghost that night. And he said, I just feel like addressing it tomorrow night and facing it head on tomorrow night. And I said, Gentry, if you feel it, go do it. And he got up and the Holy Ghost began to move on him. And about, about 2.30 Tuesday morning, my phone rings and I wake up asleep and Gentry said, Dad, I know you're asleep, but wake up. I got to tell you what just happened tonight. And I said, if you're calling me at 2.30 in the morning, it better be good. He said, it is, Dad. He said, everything we talked about today. He said, I may have botched a good sermon, but I just got up and told him what God said. Told him what you and I talked about today, what Mom and I talked about today. And he said, faith began to rise in the congregation. He said, while I was preaching, he said, at the conclusion of the message, Mark Hines got up, walked to the front of the room, lifted up his hands, and after a year of seeking God, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And he said, everybody in the building heard him speak with tongues and glorify God. The greatest miracle is not the dead being raised to life. The greatest miracle is not blind eyes open and deaf ears being unstopped. The greatest miracle is the salvation of the soul. I've got to hurry tonight, and I may be a little long. Miracles happen in an atmosphere of faith. Miracles happen in an atmosphere of obedience. That's why our response, hear me, hear me, hear me, our response is so so critical. When our, our worship leaders are in the pulpit, or our preachers are in the pulpit, our, our speakers for the conference are in the pulpit, it doesn't matter. I, none of them are going to ask you to do something that is unseemly. None of them are going to ask you to do something that is weird. It may be a little out of your out of your comfort zone. They may ask you to step into the aisle. They may ask you to walk to the front. They may ask you to walk to the back. I don't know. They may ask you to stand, sit down, come sit on the nose. I don't know what they may ask you to do. But whatever they ask you to do, I implore you, church, respond. Don't be reluctant about it. Just do what they ask you because they are being sensitive to the Spirit and God is wanting to do something and work through the man of God. The sinners and the supernatural are going to follow. Now, skepticism, refusal, folded arms. I'm not going to do it because they asked me to do it. I'm only going to do it when I want to do it is going to exclude you and may affect the whole church. Matter of fact, usually does. Because here is my point. I'm trying to hurry and skip over a lot of notes. By the way, I have about 25 pages of notes tonight, and I knew I couldn't get through it all. I'm about page number eight. We must be responsive. So miracles happen in an atmosphere of faith and happen in an environment of obedience. Miracles happen when great don't worry. Somebody comes off the street that's addicted. Somebody comes walking in here and they show signs of, of demonic activity. Don't get nervous. Greater is he that is within us than he that's in the world. You don't have to get up and run out the door and be afraid of all of that. All Jesus said was one word. Go. The demons fled. We don't have to get up and wrestle them to the floor and put them in headlocks and turn them upside down. 
We're going to pray over them in the name of Jesus and take authority over any demonic power. It doesn't matter if somebody walks in here with an addiction. In the name of Jesus, we're a prayed up church. We're going to lay hands on them. God's going to deliver them. Somebody walks in here on crutches, don't get nervous and say, oh my, are they going to leave those crutches? Are they going to get out of that wheelchair or not? I'm just nervous. I'm just afraid. We've got to trust God. I told the group at the prayer meeting last night, we don't need more faith. We just need to trust God to use the faith we have. We don't need more opportunities. We need to trust God to give us the courage to stand strong in the opportunity that comes our way. But the greatest need is the need of salvation, not the need of healing. Here's what I want you to understand. The greatest miracle is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There is a purpose for every miracle that is greater than the miracle itself. There is a purpose that is greater than every healing. He doesn't heal you to make you feel good. A few days ago, I'm, I'm going to use this as an, as an example tonight. A few days ago, Lyric's grandmother, Sister Jamie's mother, was not well and had been diagnosed with um, cancer of the brain. And they said it was inoperable. I've shared the testimony with you. Jamie's, Jamie had called and was so concerned. Her mother had been an atheist. Brother Danny said, I walked in and at the first good report, and I just said, well, thank God. And she said, yes, thank God. I said, well, then she's no longer an atheist. Because <laughs> the moment she said, yes, thank God. The doctor said it was inoperable. Before Brother Danny went down, I felt strongly in the Holy Ghost this message that I'm preaching tonight, and I wish I had time to finish all the pages of my notes because I got some good stuff in there. But the Lord just spoke to me, and the Lord said, Tell him if I extend her days, it is not just so we can all say, Woo, look at that. Wasn't that cool? He said, if I extend her days, it's because I'm giving her opportunity to repent and to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to be baptized in Jesus' name. So there is a purpose to the supernatural that is greater than just the supernatural. This is what I'm trying to, at the core Jesus is to be glorified and souls should be converted to salvation. The why of prophecy. What we're going to experience, it's not fortune telling. While a prophet may foretell something that is coming. But it's not fortune telling or future telling. It's not sleight of hand. It's not done for magic shows. It is a spiritual gift that God has given. And a prophet may operate within the office of the prophetic as a prophet or as a pastor. There are moments in time, I, I don't believe that I am a prophet, but I will tell you that I have been elected as a pastor. I hold the office of the pastor in this church. Tonight, I'm fulfilling the role of a teacher. may not be my greatest gift, but I'm teaching tonight. I'm operating within that gift, what gift that God has given me. And there are times that I may be an evangelist and meet somebody in the grocery store or in Walmart and I evangelize and I'm telling them I'm operating in the gift of, of an evangelist. And there are times that I may be preaching and the gift of prophecy move on me and I speak a word of prophecy over this congregation. Sometimes I may say, I prophesy to you because I want the saved church to know that that was not just me speaking, but that was a word of prophecy from the Lord. Wasn't planned, wasn't scripted, but it was straight from God. And I know it is, and sometimes I may bring a word of prophecy when I do not say that is a word of prophecy. But I'm operating in the gift of prophecy does not mean I am a prophet, yet there are prophets 
I'm trying to help you understand the difference. I'm out of time, but I've got to conclude my thought here. It is not some trick show, not some magic show. All of these things, the nine spiritual gifts and the fivefold ministry is the power and demonstration of God as a gift unto men, not just the saved church. Here's why. The gifts of the Spirit must be normalized in the apostolic church because there is a greater purpose than just the gift being displayed. Mark 16 and 20, and they went forth preaching everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Why the signs following? Because it was confirming the word. What was the word that they were preaching? They were preaching the New Testament gospel of Jesus Christ. It is theologically a mistake to disconnect the miraculous power of God that we see in the book of Acts, the operation of gifts, the supernatural, and the fivefold ministry from its divine purpose. It's a theological mistake because his power is linked to the mission of reaching the lost. If you miss everything else I said, that's the purpose of this, of this study tonight. Because we need to testify of every miracle because there is a purpose to it. The world needs to hear about the power of Jesus Christ to heal and deliver. Now this is, what I, this is where I close tonight because I want to go back and make full circle. And I'm closing. Jesus told them in Matthew chapter 11, and I only read one verse for time's sake. He calls the names of some of the cities. And he said, the scripture said that he upbraided the cities or he rebuked the cities where he did most of his mighty works because they did not repent. In other words, they wanted the miracle. They wanted the supernatural. They wanted the signs and wonders, but they didn't want to change. Because repentance is not just saying, boo-hoo, I'm sorry. Repentance is a change of mind and heart. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. Repentance is where we change and get right with God. And Jesus rebuked them because he said, if I did these kind of miracles in some of the other cities, they would have repented, not just repented, they would have repented, he said, in sackcloth and ashes. But he rebuked them because they repented not. Revelation chapter 19. For the testimony of Jesus Christ is the Spirit of God. Why, why the prophetic? What, what, why do we need? Why do we need somebody to walk out and tell us, talk to us? Maybe somebody else, somebody walks out and says, "Brother, um, you, you, you have a need in your life." And, and wh why do we need these kind of things? Does, this seems mystical. It seems, it seems Book of Acts to me. I've read it. It seems Book of Acts to me. When the woman at the well says. Two words to Jesus, and Jesus said, you've well said, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you all these other things about yourself. You want to be Christ-like? There you have it. But all of those things is to testify Jesus. When prophecy comes, it is to cause the unbeliever to believe. I'm done. Finish it. Give me a little bit of music so they know I really am good. I know I'm past time. It is to cause the church not to just sit and go, wow, that's cool. But it's to cause those in the church that have lost faith to regain their faith. And it's to cause the unbeliever that comes and sits on the pew that may not believe in Jesus Christ to say, wow, I need that in my life. Wow, this thing is real. 
And so what we're experiencing is not just, not just to make us feel good. God's not just extending life just so we can go, oh boy, I get a few more days. He's doing it for a purpose, to save souls. He doesn't heal your body. Child of God, you want to know why God heals you? You know why he doesn't take you? When he saves you, he's done really all that needs to be done. You could go home to be with him, but he extends your life so that you can honor him and so that you can take what he's done for you into the city and tell the lost world. The reason he saves you is not for you to just say, boy, I got cold chills that time. No. He saves you so that you can go tell somebody else, come on with me. You can have this gift too. The greatest gift is a gift of the Holy Ghost. We need to be testifying to everybody we know. Come on, you got to come to church with me. Come on, I got to sit down and show you in the scripture what the Lord's done. Come on, I got to tell you how good God's been to me because the whole purpose is not just to cause cold chills to go up and down your back. Yes, to save you, but if He spared your life, if He woke you up this morning, you got a job to do. Go tell everybody about somebody that can save anybody. Come on, church. Come on, church. Stand with me all over the room. I'm out of time tonight and stopping way short of conclusion. I know I may have botched this message, this lesson tonight, but hopefully it has come through and spoken into every heart and life. But I want us now to receive this word with joy and gladness in our hearts all over this room tonight. Come on, I want you to receive it. The spiritual gifts are going to operate freely and we're going to receive it. The five-fold ministry is going to operate in their, in their offices and we're going to receive it because now we understand it and we know it's more than just for us to be able to say, wow, look, and let's honor somebody. But it is so that we can say he's, God's drawing somebody. By any means, everybody's got to be saved. Come on, let's glorify the Lord together right now. Let's lift up our voice in prayer and praise unto the Lord right now.